So I recently had a conversation with a teacher who was sharing with me her students' reaction to an activity they had done together. So this activity in the class that she worked on was called Pear Deck, and it was a Pear Deck vocabulary activity. And how this works is, it's a really great resource, by the way. If you're a classroom teacher or um, homeschooling your child, I would really look into this. It's a really great uh, classroom tool. Anyway, so here's how it worked for the, works for the vocabulary activity. So a child works with another child, so they're working in pairs, and they each have a separate task to describe a vocabulary word. One task is to draw to show you can illustrate it, and the other is to actually create your own text to define or describe it. Okay, but since you're working in a partnership on one word, your picture should match the text and the text should match the picture. Although there are variations and you can create those for your classroom how you might want to. So at any rate, at the end of this, every child has an opportunity to work in their pairs to do the same thing with their partner. And then you come together as a whole group and you select the best images and descriptions to match the vocabulary words because they are then turned into Quizlet activities where each child can then create their own study platform. Okay, so there is a moment where some individual's work will be rejected. And of course, we know how many of our children today will take that. My work did not get accepted. So this is where her conversation came to me, just as a sharing conversation. And I reflected on it and I thought, wow, this is this is a great opportunity to address the need for great feedback and how do we provide that for our children. So here's what she said happened. Of course, the student is not happy that their work did not get selected for the vocabulary group. So the child was having a hard time dealing with that. So the teacher said, well, I've done this activity before and I know how it feels to have your work rejected. And I didn't think mine should be rejected when it got rejected, but it was. But that's just how it works. And she reassured the student that she had experienced this before. So she understood it. And that's basically the nature of their feedback. So as she was talking, I said, yeah, that's great that you share that with the student. But sometimes I think we get caught up and trying to relate to students that we don't do our part and trying to help them build. So great, you can relate to me. But the truth of the matter is, that's life. Everything you do is not going to be accepted. So I gave her the example to that she could have asked the student, hey, she could have still related to him, but I also asked her to ask the student, hey, have you always gotten 100% on all of your papers that you've ever turned in? And unless this kid is a micro genius or macro genius, <laughs> Um, the answer is going to be no. At some point, you missed the mark. You could have had 99%, a 97%, an 80%, whatever that is. I would have gauged the student and asked him, can you think of a time where you didn't get a 100% on your paper? And when that child would have responded, yes, I would have said, okay, give me a score that you know you got on a paper before and you didn't think you should have gotten it or maybe you did. Just tell me what that percentage was. And let's say the kid said, uh, I got a 90%. Then you could say, Awesome. And that means 90% of your paper's responses were accepted. They were acceptable responses based on your teacher's scoring. But there was 10% that was not accepted. That means your answer could have been wrong. It could have been somewhere along the way you missed 10% of that. 
And help that student to see that you're constantly receiving this kind of feedback from classroom leadership to them. And that that is our way of communicating, hey, there was a different level of thought that you needed to have at this question and you didn't do it here. So next time, here's what I want you to do. And so I had this conversation with the teacher and I told her that feedback is so important and that if we don't take more time to become active participants in the feedback that we need our students to have, then they are not going to do any growing. I can imagine that that student went back to their seat and the only thing that child could connect to was the fact that somebody else felt wronged. That was her confirmation through that level of feedback. Now, I know the teacher didn't mean it. Of course she didn't. She did not want this student to go away feeling upset about an activity that they had done in class to promote learning. But had this teacher gauged her differently, maybe she would have gone back to her seat thinking, next time I do this, I need to think about more than just me. I need to think about my audience and who I'm trying to appeal to. What words did I leave out? A good set of feedback or a good classroom leader is going to provide opportunities for students to reflect so that they can grow from it. Okay. So I wanted to share that from a teacher standpoint. And then I thought, okay, so what's a great conversation to have here? Like, how do you provide and make sure you're providing good feedback for young learners? So I think that we as either classroom leaders or parents, we really have to pay attention to what the end goal is. Like, what do we want this child to know and be able to do once they walk away from us, right? Like, when you really think about it, you're like, how do I want this child to behave five years from now because of this conversation or next year because of this conversation or next time? So you see how we go from a macro perspective to almost a mini and then a very, very micro So you're thinking about all of these when you have these conversations. And then I thought about parents who we naturally have so much to say to our children when they mess up that that conversation turns into a five hour lecture and you'll look up and the kid is tapped out four and a half hours ago. (laughs) They've been gone, right? They stopped listening. They don't even know where this conversation is going, but that's probably because we have conversations with our youngsters when we're in the heat of the moment. We're frustrated. We haven't thought about the five-year plan or the three-year plan or the tomorrow plan, right? I'm encouraging every single leader of of young minds to really think about the five-year plan, the three-year plan, and that tomorrow plan. I'm really encouraging you to think about that before you sit down and have long-winded conversations with with your learners and providing feedback to them. And when you do that, I think you start to shape inside yourself the most effective way to have positive feedback with your child. And it is not going to be, I promise you, shaming them. It's not going to be talking down to them. It's not even going to be cursing at them because those things are not effective. And it's not even going to be a 45-minute lecture or sometimes not even a 10-minute one. Sometimes you can create that feedback moment in a moment. Wow. Can you imagine making an impact to a child in a moment to where when they walk away, they are really thinking about that and feeling it? Which, by the way, is the third component I wanted to share about giving positive feedback. What do you want the child to know? What do you want the child to be able to do better? And how do you want that child to feel about it as they grow along? 
not as they go along, but as they grow along, because they're growing. They're always growing. Even when our babies are 18, they are still in need of our good mentoringship, good parenting, good leadership, and amazing feedback. Okay, so what do you want them to know and be able to do by the end of this conversation? And how do you want them to feel and reflect upon it once they are out of your out of your face, basically, like out of your complete control? Because that time is going to come where you're not going to be there to be their moral compass. Okay, so I want to give you a few things that you can think about. Basically, we all know the younger they are, the shorter their attention span. Right. So be mindful of that. Keep your conversations with them short, but you can make them so interactive. So that means talk less and make them do more of the work. I'll give you an example. I have a child that I worked with just recently, got a phone call from a parent. They said, hey, I just realized my child was not being honest with me about something, and I wanted to talk to you about it. So I said, is the child right there? He said, yes. I said, great. Put, put me on the phone with them. So they put me on speakerphone and I'm talking to the kid and I said, hey, I want you to think about what you did, but I also want you to feel how you made your mom and your dad feel about this situation. And I wanted to provide this child an experience to see what their lies did to their parents and what lying and not just lying and not being honest, not just that, but really just not doing the right thing and making the wrong choice, how that impacts your relationship with the people you love. So here's what I asked the kid to do. I said, all right, I want you to go stand, take 15 steps away from mom and dad. Like, and I know the house set up, so I know there's a couch or a chair nearby. So I know that was about 15 feet from where mom and dad were. So I said, okay, go stand over there. And I want you to turn so that you're facing your mom and dad. And they have the the way the house is set up. So I kind of have some familiarity there. So anyway, I just wanted him to, to create a gap so he could see the distance. And then I said to him, because this child is seven, I said, all right, so you, you did something that mom and dad were, they're not happy about, right? So I want you to tell me what happened. So as the child is telling me what happened, what happened every single time he came to a point in the conversation where he was dishonest and he could have been honest, he had to take a step back. Right. So he's telling the story. He gets to a part where he's dishonest. I say, okay, pause. That was a dishonest moment. Step back. Finish your story. And then they go back into the story. And I say, oh, there's another moment where you could have been honest and you weren't. Take a step back. And when we looked up, he was closer to the far end of the room, almost to where his parents office is. And I could hear him crying because I, I painted the, the image that every time you make choices that make mommy and daddy you know, choices that are not good. They make mommy and daddy feel the way you're feeling right now. So those tears, mommy and daddy feel the same way. But look how far you are from mom and dad. Are you close to them or far away? He says far away. I said, does it feel good to be that far? He said, no. Where would you rather be? He said, I'd rather be with mommy and dad. I said, yeah, but you're too far now. And every time you get so far and far away and I'm on speakerphone, I said, I can hardly hear you. That's what's happening inside of you when you don't listen to your conscience. You're running from that point because he described points where he could feel that he was wrong and he didn't do anything about it. So I taught him when that little voice, just like I shared before, when that little voice comes up inside of you and it wants to not tell the truth, you put your hand over your mouth. And for those of you who have been following me, you know this to be a very good technique. You put your hand over your mouth and you settle that lying monster, the dishonest monster, you quiet it. 
I don't care what you need to do to make sure it doesn't come out, but don't you let that dishonest thing come out of you. And then when you're ready, you breathe and then you tell the truth. And I taught him the same thing. And you could hear him crying. I said, okay, so what could you have done better? And so there are moments he retells the story and I should not have done this and I could have done that. And, and when daddy gave me a reward, I shouldn't have taken it because I knew what I was being rewarded for wasn't good. I said, all right. So as he's telling the story, we did the same thing. Take another step toward mommy and daddy. Take another step toward mommy and daddy. Then we got to a point where he's still far from mom and dad, but he's closer than he was a moment ago. And I said, is there anything that you want to tell your mom and dad now? So he goes into his an apology for dad. And I said, oh, wow, look at these three things you said that were great. Take three steps toward mom and dad. And then I said, what would you like to say to mom? And he does the same thing. He apologizes to mom. So I said, take three more steps toward mom. So he gets there. I said, are you close to them? He said, yes. I said, oh, you're really close because I can hear you. I said, you sound like you're coming back to us. And I said, was there anything else that we didn't say or talk about that you want to share and he said no and I asked his parents the same thing and they said they you know they they gave their feedback to him and I said did you hear them what did they say how do their words make you feel he shared I said oh that was a good share take a step toward mommy and daddy so we took several steps closer I said are you close to the closer now he said yes I said are you close enough to give him a hug he said yes I said give him a hug and he gave him a hug and now that conversation took about 10 minutes or so 10 maybe 15 tops he's seven years old he He's not being honest and he allowed his parents to reward him and he knew he was not telling the truth. But I gave him the experience and that's what you guys need to do when you're providing good feedback to to younger children. So you want to make the conversation an experience and that's what I provided for him by thinking of the end result. If he continues on this path five years from now as someone who doesn't know how to tell the truth or control it, he's going to be so far from his circle of love. That is a five-year plan, right? But I started him in the middle right by his couch, far enough to be close enough, right? But not feel as close as he wanted to feel. That comfort zone is leaving every time you take a step in the wrong direction. So let's talk real quick about your older children, those who have older learners. Um, and you want to have that more, you want to have really a more reflective conversation with them. So at this point, you really are asking more questions than you are to lecturing, Because as you ask questions and provide opportunities for them to share their responses, what you're really getting is some powerful feedback on who your child is and what they think and what they feel. And if your child is quiet and shy, like some of the kids that I've worked with in the past, just be patient and practice that patient and uncomfortable silence. And every so often, just tell them, I'll wait because your words are important to me. I'm going to wait. We're going to sit here until you can give me an answer to my question. And that question cannot be, why'd you do it? What made you do it? That's badgering. Nope. I want to say, when you did that, tell me how it made you feel. Was there ever a moment where you second guessed it? Ooh, now they got to pause. They got to play the story back in their mind and they got to see where they went wrong. A lot of times when you're lecturing children, you are lecturing them at the moment that they're on the ground where they fail and you are lecturing them from there. You need them to go back to that ugly banana peel 25 feet away from the fall. You need to go back to that banana peel. That's where they slipped. So when you allow that uh, that kind of conversation and you give them the option of thinking through it, you will allow them to connect to their feeling.
Okay. So give them that kind of conversation rather than telling them how they should have felt or what they should have done about it. And I know it's difficult. These things take practice, but I guarantee you that the more you do it, the more opportunities you provide for your children to have the five-year plan, the three-year plan, or the macro, I call it, the macro plan for um, feedback, the mini plan for feedback, and that micro plan for feedback, you will begin to see such a different child that is more connected, more aware, and more in tune with who they are, and more importantly, who they want to be. Have a great day.